Welcome to the Kingdom Educators Podcast, where we empower Christian teachers to grab a hold of heaven's hope-filled perspective so you can activate transformational impact in your classroom and community. I'm your host, Jessica Glover, and I warmly welcome you to wake up to your strategic placement as a Kingdom Educator, anointed by the Creator and equipped by all of heaven to release the radical goodness of God that will transform lives and reshape education. Welcome back to part number two. I'm here with Mike Hicks, and I'm excited for him to share another testimony with us that uh, actually is about connecting with the Christian teachers who might be in your school that you don't even know, which I, I don't know about you, but when I was teaching full-time, I often felt alone. And it wasn't until I met a few other Christians in my building that I knew the power of praying together and um, just knowing there was other people praying to bring breakthrough in my region. So Mike Hicks, welcome back again. Thank you for having me. Yes. You didn't join us for part one. You'll have to take a listen later. Mike has taught for over 30 years in public education. He's got quite a story of working with kids coming school apathetic, which many of us have dealt with, um, but some trauma, like how do we help kids with trauma and can relational deposit so that kids feel validated, but then helping them to pick it up from there, knowing that they're cared for, that they can have a place of being trusted or that they can find, they can trust in someone like you in your classroom and that God has given us that calling to find the one every day. And so I encourage you to take a listen to part number one, but Mike, thanks again for joining us today in our pre-meeting. You shared with me about how the Lord has invited you to take a look at John 15, 16, which you actually referenced in, in part one. Um, with regard to your calling about Jesus going and finding the one, but God was really speaking to you about not merely just raising champions. And you have also been a wrestling coach. So he was referring to that as a picture, but to raise men. Um, will you share with us what God was speaking to you about and how this relates to your teacher connection story? Yeah. You know, as a wrestling coach at a big high school, my identity was really wrapped up in this sport just from my own childhood upbringing, my father, my brother, a big wrestling family, a division one wrestling kind of involvement. So it was kind of ingrained in me. So when I started coaching at the high school level, I really had this passion to, to develop one of those premier programs in our state, you know? And, yeah. Um, so we, man, we just did so many of those special things and hauling kids to Ukraine for summer camp. Oh, wow. Uh, some of my best wrestlers traveling around the country to national tournaments uh -huh. and around the state and club wrestling in the off season and weightlifting the whole, all of it. Yeah. The coach out there, you know how uh, some coaches can really get consumed with trying to build a premier program. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, the Lord began to really convict me that I was too passionate about building champions in a wrestling program and not focused on building men. Mm -hmm. And um, so this particular scripture you referenced, John 15, 16, uh, really became an important part of my coaching perspective in the mm -hmm. latter years of coaching. And we started putting that verse on our coaches' hats and little reminders. And really in that scripture, it says, Jesus said, uh, you didn't choose me, but I've chosen you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Mm -hmm. And out of that came this concept of lasting impact is really what we're called to have mm -hmm. in kids' lives. So 
that really changed. You know, it's really more important that my wrestlers, more important than winning a state title or qualifying for a state tournament is that they become good people and mm-hmm. are prepared to be good fathers, good husbands. And, yeah. Uh, in a public school, you know, uh, where appropriate, even, you know, men of God and being able to share that my part of as a man of faith, that my character, that's where it comes from. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so it's almost like moving away from the performance. Like I had this great, you know, I went to state and I did these things and I have all these medals, but like, oh, where's your life going? <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, that began to spill over into everything. It began to spill over more and more into my teaching that I'm, I'm not here. If I were a history teacher, we like to use this example, but I'm not here just to teach history, but to change history mm-hmm. in a student's life. Uh, to be one of those people that they would look back on and you said, you know, one of the people that really impacted my life was my such and such teachers and mm-hmm. the teachers along the way. And we know that a lot of kids are leaving their faith after they leave school. But the one factor that seems to uh, inhibit that exodus is the number of heroes and mentors and godly influences they have during their school age years. That's powerful. Something that you and I as educators, we can be those people. That's good. uh, That they look to like godly people, people that are people of faith. And then all the fruits, you know, we got this, uh, these scriptures like, let your light so shine before men that they will Mm -hmm. see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And there's a lot of great teachers that have these wonderful qualities, but the kids don't know where it comes from. Uh They have the fruits of the spirits on display, uh, the Holy Spirit on display, but the kids don't know that we have those fruits because we have the spirit of God in our life. So I began to really be challenged as an educator how can I let God use me um, in that way? And then just this. Which, Mike, you're really referencing like that we're kids know we're believers, right? right. I mean, yes. that's a- <laughs> finding ways that they know, okay, he's a man of faith. That's why he is this way. Yeah. School, like they like us to teach character. They said, we want you to teach kids the fruits of the spirit, love, patience, peace, kindness, but just don't mention the spirit. It's like, mm-hmm. we want you to, uh, Teach them about olive oil, but don't mention olives. You know, <laughs> source of all this, you know. Right, right. <laughs> but what I also found was that a lot of my colleagues were very quiet about their faith at school. It was like they had this notion it was inappropriate to let anybody know you were a Christian. Mm-hmm. And this notion that we kind of were leaving Jesus in the parking lot in the morning and picking him back up after school. And while we were in the secular job, we would just do our secular job. And I realized that is not what God called us to when you say you are the light of the world. Yeah. So this notion of turning off the Christian music in the car in the morning and instead of just getting out and doing my secular job, pausing, God, go with me today, abide in me today. Help me to abide in you and be listening and watching for special moments to let your light shine through me. So what happened in our case, we decided, you know, there's a lot of believers on this campus that don't know each other. Uh, I knew several and others knew some, but we we're a who else. Mm-hmm. So we set out on a mission to find out how could we gather the Christians at the school some way on a regular basis, just for fellowship, encouragement, support, share God stories we're seeing and to pray for one another. So we started a lift group. Lift okay. comes from that verse, lasting impact, lasting impact fellowship for teachers. And in our case, we met in my classroom every other Tuesday 
we had, even though it was a large school, we had a common lunch period, which is kind of wow. Yeah, in Southern California, where it never rains, look <laughs> heart lines everywhere. Kids get all, we went to a one 47 minute lunch, shared okay. lunch, and it allowed teachers to gather. But other schools have to get very creative on how to find a way to do this. Mm-hmm. But we began to meet and just have lunch. We didn't call it a Bible study because people don't want to study and think hard when you're like, you got 80 <laughs> AP English papers to grade, and you're like, I don't know. We didn't call it a prayer group because although prayer is super important mm-hmm. and a lot of us were praying for each other in the school, but we wanted people to feel comfortable coming who might be on all spectrums of their walk with God. Yeah. Some maybe who have not been in church for years mm-hmm. and are kind of, there's a hunger and so to, to come back. So we wanted it to be a place that primarily focused on fellowship, encouragement, getting to know each other, mm-hmm. just something kind of informal yeah fellowship oriented and then we would always like look at the clock as we're eating and talking about family and everything else uh how can we pray for each other today and there would be a few requests and we would pray for those Mm -hmm. Uh, but i didn't want people to feel like they had to be you know intercessory prayer warriors to come to this they'd just be people that trying to figure it out how to live out their faith and that fellowship that lift group became super super important to many of us and we Mm -hmm. found more and more people on our campus that were like wow i didn't know you were teaching sunday school every sunday and you teach right down the hall Mm -hmm. been in the same hall for five years and we had never connected that way yeah it was just something wrong with that picture so Mm -hmm. lift group really began to help us find each other and draw each other together and i bet people were they excited and encouraged to not only find each other, but for you to provide that space. I mean, on a weekly basis, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, we did it every other Tuesday, but okay. what came out of it, we probably had um, 50 people or so on our school or campus wow. from every position. It wasn't just teachers. It was counselors. All three of our administrators were believers. Uh-huh. Wow. And, um, they couldn't all come to a lift. Some had kids in their room all the time and others that were in the office and office staff. But what we did is we began like a closed email group and we just like shared prayer requests among us. We didn't care. Uh, we didn't ask uh, what church do you go to. We had no fly zones on. We're not going to get into big theological discussions and yeah. discussions. If you love God or you're trying to walk with him and you care about kids, mm-hmm. come and have lunch. Let's just get to know each other and share our stories and share moments when we see God working in our classroom. And then let's collectively start praying for our school and for each other. So there were people like counselors that Mike, I can't come to lift lunch because I'm always with kids at lunch, but I know who I can come to now with when I need prayer. Uh And so glad you're there. So there's lots of ways to go about building that community. It's really like building a community at school of people of faith. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened in our case is after a year of this group, the Lord began to stir this idea. What if every school in our county had a lift group? Mm, that'd be uh, so powerful. <laughs> yeah. It was like a big dream. It was like, a, wow, that would be really awesome. And we had 19 high schools in our county. For high school wow. And about 246 schools altogether from elementary up through thousands of teachers and support staff. But believers, like across America, there's a lot of Christians who love the Lord in schools, mm-hmm. all across cities, counties, and regions. 
in our case, how could we somehow inspire or do something that would be a catalyst for them to start their own lift groups? Okay. So this, what we found out later, we really began to believe was a God-inspired dream. Mm -hmm. It led me, this passion that just kept reoccurring, reoccurring. I was like, couldn't shake it. But I feel like I am not an event planner. I'm just a biology teacher and a wrestling coach. Uh Uh-huh. I ended up going to what uh, we were doing at that time, Christian educators. I was a member of Christian educators, but I wasn't really involved in the organization other than membership uh, Mm -hmm. or liability insurance from a biblical worldview that I really liked. Mm -hmm. And uh, they offered a Daniel weekend, which was a Friday to Sunday kind of conference for about 25 people that were educators that were Christians. It was kind of like a spiritual retreat. So I went to one of these with just this idea I don't know what to do with this thing that keeps stirring up in me. So I'm going to go to this. I asked a friend, would you go with me? So we went went from Bakersfield down to LA and we went to this conference and two things that were spoken there that changed the whole trajectory of my life was the leader at one point said, God inspired dreams will always have God honoring outcomes. Mm. And what that meant to me, and it just went to this deep place like, this notion for the first time, what if this reoccurring passion is a God-inspired dream? Yeah. It's me thinking about possibilities. But what if God has put this reoccurring passion? He's stirring this and stirring this. Yeah. That was a whole different thought. Like, oh, what if this is God's <laughs> thing and not just me? Uh-huh. And then another speaker got up at some point that weekend and they said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Those two pieces, like, oh, as I processed that, I walked away with this thought, if this is a God-inspired dream, he intends to bring it to pass. Yeah. Why else would he stir this recurringly in my heart? But will I take a risk and trust him? Yeah. And step in faith and say, okay, God, here I am, send me, or you can you know, show me what to do next. Yeah. So I left there with just this confidence that, something really extraordinary would happen if I would trust him. Well, that ended up that summer leading to another leadership development experience that was a 40 days wilderness experience in Northern Minnesota with tent makers and Christian educators with about 25 Christians from around the country. Okay. It was 40 days long. Which is amazing that everyone can have enough time on their break. <laughs> that's, that's a whole long story about how I felt like I could go because it wasn't easy. But it was just like, I really need to hear God speak to me and show mm-hmm. me what he wants to do. And at that retreat, we did all kinds of activities and learned about worldview and read books and Bible study and dreamed mm-hmm. and green lighted dreams and made action plans. But when I left there, I had a very clear understanding of what I was supposed to do. But significantly, one piece of it that was um, kind of been life changing, and I'll share that, is that one morning about 30 days in, I'm in my cabin. We had log cabins, mm-hmm. and then we walked into a lodge for our meetings during the day. Okay. And I'm at my little lamp because there was no electricity and my little fire burning, and it's like four in the morning, and my mind's just racing with ideas, and I'm journaling, and I'm thinking about when I go back to my town. Okay, I know how I know what I'm supposed to do to gather people from across the county. God had given me a strategy, but I wondered how big of a place. I mean, that's like preliminary. And I wrote it in my journal, how big of a place. And on the heels of that question, a thought shoots into my head. I mean, just like immediately. 
50 tables of eight. I'm not a good <laughs> math guy, but I did the math. And it was like, that's 400 people. I immediately discounted it as my imagination because that was way bigger than anything I was imagining. Uh-huh. So I went to the lodge and I shared with a few people and had this crazy thought. And they'd pat me on the shoulder. Man, Mike, if you had 100, it would be awesome. Uh-huh. So I'd be back in the cabin the next day. Lord, how big of a place. And I could not shake that 50 tables of eight. It was like a, a phrase that was seared into my mm. mind. And until finally I was like, okay. So <laughs> when I when I left the 40-day leadership uh, institute, the Dan, it was called the Daniel Institute. I went back home. I counted the floor tiles in our cafeteria. They were one foot by one foot square. And I figured out the square footage of our cafeteria. Mm -hmm. I went to the internet. How many five foot tables will fit in the square footage? And it was 52. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized we got to have a place for a podium and a microphone and a little worship guitar guy or something. So I thought, wow, okay. And then it was like almost a crisis of faith right then, that RISK piece. Like, okay, I've got to go fill out paperwork a facility request form. Yeah. Observe the cafeteria for a Sunday night in October. And it's Mm -hmm. mid August. Yeah. And I remember just like with shaky hands, filling out that paperwork, turning it in and feeling, leaving there with all these voices in my head. Yeah. You're going to have 50 people and they're all going to have their own table. And when you do table Mm -hmm. talk, how's that going to work? And just house immediately. But it was like, I'm never going to know if that's what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like if I don't just trust the moments. John 10 says, the sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So I grabbed onto that. Yeah. And what happened was pretty extraordinary. I started taking people to breakfast and coffee, sharing the vision. They would all be saying, Mike, this sounds great. What are you going to need for me? Mm -hmm. I need you to bring a table of colleagues from your school. Can I put you down as a table captain and you try to find seven others to sit with you? Yeah. Okay. Let me see what I can do. The next five, six weeks went by. People are texting me, Mike, we need two tables. Mike, we need three tables. We need. <laughs> God is so good. He's tables. like multiplying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One high school they ended up needing four tables. They got, it was fun. Who else could we invite to go and do this and sit together? Basically what happened was we had to change venues because it's at one point we had 55 tables being filled by people. Wow. I knew they wouldn't all be full, but I knew that we needed a bigger space. We had to set up more than 50 tables. Mm -hmm. So we went to uh, my church, which I was trying to avoid using a church, but they're a very neutral venue in our community and Mm -hmm. have a great auditorium and lots of tables. And they said, pastor said, yeah, use everything. No charge. We'd love to help support this. Yeah. So the night of the gathering, which was a two and a half hour program with worship up front and then a testimony and then dinner together with colleagues and then Mm -hmm. a message afterwards, the title was We Are Not Alone. And then some encouragement to go back and start lift groups at their own school, find others and begin to meet. That night, I was just in awe that the parking lot was full and there was a crowd at the door when we started music. I was on the verge of tears the whole night. I'd kind of forgotten about the cabin in the wilderness. I mean, now we're months past that. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't know how many people were there. Mm-hmm. We had platter style catering. So four staging areas in the corners of this auditorium and 
FCA and Bible club leaders from various schools wearing white shirts and black pants, and they're bringing platters of food to the tables. <laughs> and uh, it was just a really awesome setting. And when we all stood to worship, the feeling in the room was just surreal and overwhelming to see mm. a crowd of educators from administrators to bus drivers to every job in between worshiping. Yeah. And, and unity. And nobody knew <laughs> what church we went to. We loved yeah. the Lord. We cared about kids and we came together and we realized, wow, look how many, and you know, rival coaches seeing each other like, I didn't know you'd be here. Where do you go to church? That kind of conversation was just buzzing in the room mm. at the end of the night. They went home. I never did count. I didn't know how many people were there. But a week or so later, I got a bill from the caterers. They only charge us $10 a person. Which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're a Christian catering company, and they wanted to bless us. So that probably did it cost. But when I opened that bill up and I saw the number, they billed us $4,000. And I was able to do that math in my head, $10 a plate. They had counted. And they had served 400 people to the number. <laughs> it wasn't 399 or 401. And I looked at that and I just wept over that bill. I, yeah. And um, it gets me emotional today. I knew then <clears throat> that what happened in the cabin mm -hmm. was the voice of the shepherd. Yeah. And he was saying, follow me, trust me. Mm -hmm. So that was 2013 the first gathering. Mm -hmm. The next year we repeated it. It got bigger, got bigger. I think even the third year, the third year I invited, uh, well, I should back up the second year. One of the gentlemen who gave a testimony was from Anaheim, two hours South of us. And, and they did one too, the second year. And I went down and spoke at their oh, gathering. Okay. The third year it was Victorville in the high desert. It was Reading. It was Anaheim and it was my hometown of Bakersfield. And we okay. had the national director for Christian educators as our keynote speaker that year. When he saw 70 tables set up in our gymnasium and all these people there, he stayed at my house and we began to talk about what would it look like if we help this happen in cities around America? Lift, this concept of fellowship for teachers became Lift America. And mm -hmm. so after the 2016, I left the classroom. Okay. And since then, I've been able to help gatherings happen in about 60 cities right now. Uh, wow. Wow. So, yeah. It's been a pretty amazing journey. That's kind of the lift story of bringing college. We see a need across the country, teachers mm -hmm. feeling alone, isolated, overwhelmed, yes. ready to walk out of the profession. Yeah. And we're saying, no, what if God's put you in this dark place to be alive? Yes. How can we come around you, help you to know what you can do legally and not do mm -hmm. And then just equip you and empower you and encourage you and help you find others so that you're not alone. Yeah. Because the souls of children are weighing in the balance. Behind every pair of eyes is an eternal soul. And back to our theme verse, God has chosen and appointed people to be mm -hmm. in the lives of a certain group of children for a season. Yeah. To have that eternal impact. Wow. So, That's so good. Mike, I love how you took a risk to like say, I think this is you telling me this, Lord, I'm going to follow through. And then like God's faithfulness to come through with every single detail. And just that's such an encouragement to people, even listening today, who might be in any space of their own journey of hearing God's voice and using discernment to know what's happening. But 
I, I love how you said uh, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I, yeah, that's something that's just really powerful and thought provoking for me. Cause I think something that I've been ruminating on really in this season is God, if the dream isn't bigger than what I can actually do, then it's me. But if it's you, it's actually bigger because it's impossible for me, but you're God of the impossible. And so just an encouragement for even someone listening today, like just think of Mike's story on, wow, that's, it's a big thing to connect everybody in your County, like if all the 19 high schools, I'm just like, whoa, that boggles my mind. But then thinking over 200 schools, but just for those teachers to recognize, oh, I'm not alone and connecting them. Could you even share with us, like, how could people get a hold of the model for Lyft, bringing this to their school? It sounds like Christian educators already has that model set up, could yeah. save people time and get some support. Yeah, we've developed a what we hope is an easy to reproduce model. We have a mm -hmm. resource handbook that walks through all of the policies and procedures. We set up registration pages for them so they don't have to handle any funds. We create promotional flyers with QR codes, a landing mm -hmm. page with all the information. What I do now is work with people and teams. If someone uh, reaches out to me, yesterday a man reached out, South Carolina, want to bring mm -hmm. a lift to his area. So that begins a process of meeting with a team and, okay. and talking about next steps, talking about all the particulars of event planning, but also every year we share a theme. And this theme is following Christ in a culture in chaos. So we, we talk about the okay. purpose and uh, every lift is the same, addresses the same theme. We have a very detailed program by the minutes. We, all that is done. It's all provided. We will fly in a speaker to speak at your event. Oh, wow. So okay. people are hearing this and say, man, we need one of these gatherings. I would say today, a more average size gathering is 50 to 100 people. We're, we don't always okay. see. I think God did something extraordinary because he wanted us to believe. And we have all different kinds of sizes of gatherings these days. But um, you might feel overwhelmed with it, uh, like, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. But what I found was, you know, God gives you a vision of what the end's going to look like. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and there are just next steps. We tried to lay out next steps in our handbook. Here's what you would mm -hmm. do first. Just do okay. you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time and you yeah. gather a team. So you're sharing work. Someone's finding a caterer. Someone's trying to find a worship team. And um, we walk through the process to make it easy to bring one to their community. So they reached out to me at mhicks at christianeducators.org if you uh, provide that. Um, well, yeah, and I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. yeah. Christianeducators.org forward slash Lift America will take us right, right to our webpage that shows resources on how to strengthen or start a Lift group at your school. We have a little Lift kit that can help you get started and okay. Lift gatherings. And there's videos of gatherings and upcoming gatherings. And I'd love to work with people out there that want to bring something to their area. Yeah, I will definitely put the that in the show notes. And just to clarify for our listeners today, Mike, Lyft is the like a yearly event that would happen at a school. Yeah, It's not necessarily twice a month meeting that you did at first. Yeah, the good question. There's really two lanes. There's the Lyft gatherings, which is that fellowship at your school. So we call those Lyft groups. And Lift we, want to help, okay. we want to help facilitate those if we can or support you. There's no like official, I'm signing up to be in a lift group. We just have resources that can help you with that. Talk okay. to you, give you ideas. 
where can you have them? When can you have them? What are the boundaries? Yeah. And lift gatherings typically are once a year. Okay. Um, see, in Christian educators, we have two things that really work well in tandem is uh, lift gatherings are like an evening program. Okay. A dinner, a night of gathering, just a big group together to let them know they're not alone. And then we have awake experiences, which is a Saturday kind of like a PD, but it's very spiritual. It's a kind of a spiritual retreat for teachers. And those are usually smaller from 20 to 40 people. Okay. And uh, those are people that like, I want to go, I want to do more. I want to learn what can I do? How can I serve? And so we'll do one in the fall and one in the spring. And with Heather Conan, we work together. Sometimes we do a lift first and awake later. Sometimes we do an awake first and a lift later. Those are okay. two different initiatives that really help on either side of Christmas boost people's morale and help them, you know, do what God's called them to do. No, I love that. So as you can tell, Christian Educators provides a lot of support for teachers. Mike even alluded to the fact that they have an alternative legal support so that you can use something other than NEA. If you're interested, you can reach out to Christian Educators. And then of course, this lift idea that's so powerful for connecting us, connecting the lights in the school. And then, you know, the power of prayer is huge when we get together, connect with one another, encouragement. Yeah, you could just dream with God about what's possible. And that's a really neat place for us to be in a season. I love your, I love what, what's the theme again? Remind us for next year. Following Christ in a culture in chaos. Okay. Really basically this notion that God uses chaos. You look through the Bible so many times out of yes. chaos came the extraordinary and then the unimaginable and the impossible from Daniel to the three in the furnace to Paul and Silas in prison. I mean, we see it over and over. So if, if you find yourself in a difficult, chaotic place, it doesn't mean God is not at work. Maybe on the mm-hmm. brink of him doing something extraordinary, but we yeah. need two things to navigate chaos. We need community and we see that through the Bible and we need closeness. We need to really press in and abide in God closeness with him, hearing the shepherd's voice with clarity, that's an essential for navigating chaos. We wow. those three points in our lift gatherings. That's really good. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking time with us today. And I just want to personally thank you for sharing your testimony. And it's so fun to hear God's raising up all kinds of people all over the board in the world, really, mm-hmm. that are awaking to the truth of your pivotal call in the world of education to be a light. What a neat thing that we get to share testimony to encourage each other, but also to find ways to connect as well. So thank you again, Mike. You had to speak blessing and life and power over the work you're doing with Christian educators. Mm-hmm. And as you continue to empower teachers around the U.S. to be lifted up. Who's still in need of an awesome planner for this school year? If this is you, please check out the show notes. It's put together by Teach for the Heart, has amazing reminders to remember that work-life balance, as well as focusing on God as you prepare for your day, week, and month. Also, have you heard about the time management free workshop that Teach for the Heart is offering this coming Monday, January 15th? That's right. Linda Cardemus is going to help you keep track of that work-life balance, make sure that work is not overwhelming you, and that you're keeping the first things first. Check out the show notes for this free workshop and know that if you purchase anything, that it's going to provide a small kickback to Kingdom Educators. Thank you for your support. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. 
Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with your friends in education so they too can be strengthened and encouraged in living their kingdom identity out loud in this pivotal hour. And please visit kingdomeducators.com to receive your Kingdom Educator Daily Truth Declarations, my encouraging newsletter, and be the first to know about my newest resources online and in-person events. And be sure to find me on the socials at kingdom.educators. Until next time, don't forget you are a history maker and what you do every day is transforming lives.